0: in. Hey, we're not judging. Sometimes you just need to get those Z's.
1: And if you do need to snooze, we would much rather you did that at home in your warm, comfortable bed than in our pews. You can always catch up with the sermon later right here on the Sunday Morning Sleep In podcast.
0: You'll still miss out on things we think are really important, like intergenerational community and the support and encouragement that comes with that and inspiring music and kids asking um, uncomfortable questions at children's time, but um, we'll give you what we can.
1: I'm Chris Marshall and I'm Susan Foster and we're United Methodist Pastors in Reno, Nevada, the biggest little city in the world, which has some interesting meteorological features. We're not theological experts or homiletical harbingers of a new age. We are your average pastors, helping our congregations think through life's big questions every
0: week. We didn't start this podcast for meteorological fun facts. We started this podcast, so if you're away from home, or working, or maybe just sleeping in, you can keep up with some of the ideas floating around the church.
1: Each episode is a conversational version of a sermon we gave on Sunday, so they sometimes include meteorological facts. But whatever day it is when you're listening to this, we hope that Uh, you have an open mind and an open heart and that you're able to think about it as you listen a quick note we really do
0: hope you think about this we don't believe that you have to think just like us in fact we really want you to be thinking about what you believe and what God has revealed in your life and so we ask that you would question disagree and figure out what you think as you hear our conversations but the most important thing is that you will experience the mysterious loving force in the world that we know as God moving in your life
1: you consider this hi Susan hi Chris all right so my church continues its journey (laughs) slog can we use the word slog it's not a slog it's
0: a great sermon it's a great sermon through the sermon
1: on the the mount mount. Jesus incredibly long sermon
0: right this is the kind of pages and pages and this is the kind of sermon that gives all of us preachers a bad rap
1: bad rap Jesus you're just you're making my life
0: harder you just set us in so many ways so (laughs) setting us up <laughs> you know, sure. somebody somebody but, will say the sermon wasn't but if we long really, enough.
1: If we really wanted to lower the bar, we should just read the entire Sermon on the Mount in place of our own sermons,
0: there and you then go.
1: they would be grateful.
0: <laughs> they would be so grateful <laughs> to be, be like, never do that again.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. so we're in we're in the middle. The, in the middle bit.
0: The middle bit. And will it will it continue in Lent, or does it does it uh, taper off, and you have to pick it back up after Lent?
1: Oh, no, I think I'm going to keep the slog going. No, keep I just in the, the lectionary. Keep slogging, slogging, In the lectionary, does it keep going? What do we do? We slog. I think it keeps going.
0: Okay, I haven't looked, so I was just curious.
1: So I think it keeps going. Uh, and if it doesn't, I'm going to keep going anyway.
0: Because you're enjoying it.
1: I'm enjoying Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. okay. Uh, words okay. have been said so many times before. Right. Right. So we sort of started four weeks ago
0: mm-hmm.
1: with the Beatitudes, yep, and the Beautiful. idea that okay, the idea, <laughs> the idea that they are inviting us into a different way of being in the world, mm-hmm. a way that is based in simplicity, hearing the words for what they are, hopefulness rather than cynicism, and compassion. So acting to make our vision of this kingdom of no God, God that Jesus is talking right. about come true, and we talked about. The only way that happens is not if you attack and not if you hide, but if you engage with the world and you talk about what you care about out loud and work for that out loud. And then we talked about how sometimes that means doing things that you wouldn't normally expect, perhaps not self-mutilation, but things that are uncomfortable anyway. Mm -hmm. And that we're going to get it wrong sometimes. And so being persistent becomes important. Yeah. Um, Not being perfect, but being persistent. Persistent as God is persistent. And so this lands us uh, in chapter six and the lectionary skips the first 23 verses of chapter six, but I can summarize them for you with this. Stop caring what other people think about you. (laughs) Stop caring. The best advice I ever heard parents give teenagers was when you go to high school, you're going to be worried about what everybody else is thinking about you, but everybody else is just worried about what you're thinking about them. So if you just relax, then you'll be popular. And it worked. <laughs> <laughs> it worked for these for these boys. It worked. Um, that Just stop, stop caring what other people think about you. And Jesus talks about this in terms of prayer and fasting and treasure. In other words, if you're praying so that other people will think you're such a great prayer, you might have missed the point. Oops. If you're fasting so that everybody can see how self-denying you are, you might have missed the point. Oops. And if you are saving up money so that everybody sees how wealthy you are, you might have missed the point.
0: I think that's a definite you missed the point.
1: Yeah. So if the whole point is to orient ourselves towards God and to grow deeper in love with God and deeper in love with other people... Doing things so that other people are impressed with us is not going to do Doesn't anything do for our relationship direction. with God, and is not going to do anything for our relationship with other people. So Jesus says, "Stop, stop, stop caring about what other people think about you, and just do the things I'm telling you to do." Right. That's how the chapter starts. Right. And then we move into this bit at the end, uh, which has been interpreted so many ways, oh, so um, many ways, oh,
0: so many ways, and some of them not so wonderful,
1: and some of them not so wonderful. But before we get there, I want to talk about something totally unrelated. Okay. And then tie it together masterfully. Okay. Okay. So, Susan, mm-hmm. do you know the official motto of the United States of America?
0: Only because we talked about this earlier. Only
1: because it which is? In God we trust. It is in God we trust. In fact, it's on our money. And it actually was on our money before it was the official motto of the United States of America. Do you know how it got there?
0: Well, I had always thought it was had something to do with the Cold War.
1: It does have something to do with the Cold War. Well done, Susan. Gold star for you. Susan is a history buff, and so she knows more things about history than I do. But I learned things when I Google them. <laughs> um, so In God We Trust showed up on coins of various sizes, starting uh-huh. in the 1860s. Okay. And then it would like fall off again, because coins money changes so frequently. And we don't always realize, you know. Right. So it'll be on for a while. It'll be off for a while. Um, they didn't put it into the form that we have it now. And even then, it's changed a few times in my lifetime. Right. Right.
0: And right. in,
1: in the 1860s, they started. In God We Trust is a lyric from Francis Scott Key's The Star-Spangled Banner. Of
0: course. They
1: did dig deep for it. It's in verse four. <laughs> <laughs> but In God We Trust is the phrase from Francis Scott Key that they, they started to put on money in. And in 1956... Mm-hmm. During the Cold, Cold War, War, as a response to the Soviet Union's state atheism, mm-hmm. the United States decided that we would be good Christians and put In God We Trust on our money and make it the official motto of the United States of America. Can you see a problem with this?
0: Uh, yeah. Which is? Well, in 1956, even, we weren't just a Christian nation.
1: Right. And under which amendment to the Constitution?
0: Oh, now now you want is numbers. Is freedom of
1: religion protected?
0: It's the First Amendment.
1: It is the First Amendment. Separation of church and state. There shall not be a state-sanctioned religion. Right. right? So by putting "In God We Trust" on money and making it our motto, motto what we're saying is that we think that there's probably God,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we're trusting in that God, which is problematic for me. Yes. Maybe not for the reasons that you think. Now, I'm all about separation of church and state. I think you have the right to believe uh, in whatever you want, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. Uh Or uh not believe in whatever you want. Um, Atheists are okay with me. Some of my best friends are atheists. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, it's problematic for me because of what happened next. The 84th Congress and President Eisenhower signed Uh this into law. This is our new motto. It's going on all of our money. And it's been on all of our money ever since. There have been lawsuits, 1952, 1970, and 2004, mm-hmm. about this and about... This was also the time when they put in the phrase, under God,
0: uh, when to the, the mm-hmm. Pledge
1: of Allegiance. Well, around then. So yeah. these lawsuits were trying to say that we can't have a state-sanctioned religion, and therefore you have to take this out. Mm-hmm. Every lawsuit failed. In the 70s, it failed because they said, well, this is just ceremonial language. Mm. And in 2004, it failed because they said, this is something that we say so much by rote that it has lost through repetition any significant meaning. Mm. And friends, that is a problem. Is what annoys me the most. I find that offensive, deeply personally really offensive. offensive. That it's okay to leave something in because at least it doesn't mean anything. anything. Right? Yeah. So this is how our country kind of addresses. So
0: that, so, and that should be offensive to any of us who think that God exists.
1: Right. It's offensive to me as a Christian Mm -hmm. and as a patriot, but mostly as a Christian (laughs) that usually comes first for me. Yeah. So that's what's sitting in the back of my mind as I read this part of the Sermon on the Mount, which Susan, you're going to read for us now.
0: Now, you can't worship two gods at once. Loving one God, you'll end up hating the other. Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. You can't worship God and money, both. If you decide for God, living a life of God-worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at meal times, or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There is far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God, and you count far more to him than birds." Has anyone, by fussing in front of the mirror, ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion, do you think it makes that much difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wild flowers. They never primp or shop. But have you ever seen such color and design quite like it? The ten best-dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. But you know both God and how he works steep your life in God, reality, God, initiative, God, provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now, and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Thank you.
1: It's a very different way of Talking about in God we trust.
0: Yes, it is.
1: It's a very different way of talking about in God we trust because it's not something that has lost its meaning through repetition, I hope. Right. It's still challenging, it's still inspiring, and it's still telling us God is active in our lives now mm-hmm. and not something distant and far away. God is moving in the world now. And we know that there are people of faith who still don't have enough to eat, who still don't have a place to sleep. Uh, We know that those are realities. But what this is saying is respond with gratitude to what you have Mm -hmm. and then continue to focus your life in the ways that we have been teaching you to focus your life in the last two chapters. Mm -hmm. And maybe there will be fewer people that don't have enough to eat, that don't have enough shelter, that if you invest in the things that God cares about, rather than in the things that will make you look good a lot fewer people are going to be without right i want to point out that jesus doesn't say money is bad no. Nope. Jesus is bankrolled by wealthy people, right? Jesus is on Jesus the road. Jesus
0: understands that money is useful.
1: Is useful, yes. Money is a tool, just like anything else is a tool. Just like social media is a tool, just like a hammer is a tool, just like some of the people I know are tools.
0: Wait, wait, no, not like that. No,
1: no, not like that. Jesus Jesus <laughs> is, uh, is not saying that money is bad. Money can be used to do good things, and mm-hmm. money can be used to do bad things. Yep. Just like anything else. Jesus is just saying money is not Lord.
0: It was really funny to read that passage after the Oscars last night.
1: Oh, I didn't see the Oscars last night. What I happened? saw some
0: of the, I didn't see the Oscars. So I saw some of the red carpet and all uh-huh. the dresses and just thinking about
1: how much people spent on those dresses.
0: Spent on the, Well, spent on the dresses and spent primping and like worrying mm-hmm. about how they looked. And, and how many
1: people want to watch all of that right. at the same time. Now yeah. there's something to be said for human artistry and creativity. Oh yeah. Not, yeah. And not, there's, there's definitely something for that, but there it's something else Besides, I want everybody to think I look good.
0: Right, right. So it was just, it just it just popped, that was the image that popped into my mind about, yeah. you know, if, if you were going to win the Oscar for something you've already created, you could just throw on a t-shirt. And
1: well, and think about like, in. Michelle Obama took so much flack for wearing J. Crew in the White House. Yeah. But she was like, why would I spend $600 on a dress? I can get this one for 60, you know? Like, <laughs> right, right. She was so practical about it. Like, this one looks good. I'm okay. <laughs> I look okay. I don't need to spend a ton of money on clothes. Right. I thought that was brilliant. Okay, so Jesus doesn't say money is bad. Right, he no. just says you need to invest in the things that God cares about. Right. So we have this scarcity thinking mm-hmm. that there, oh. are, there are things that are limited. There are things. Mm-hmm. Money is limited. Time is limited.
0: Energy is limited. Diamonds are limited. What is? Diamonds. Diamonds. Which is not really true. Diamonds. Anyway, that's a, that's a whole falsehood. That's so a whole, I'm just, that's, that's why a, I That's a it. falsity. It's why
1: they, you know. They that's why De
0: Beers, you know, wants you to spend so much on one. Bulk up the market. Yeah.
1: So we have this idea that, that everything is scarce. Mm-hmm. And it leads us to anxiety and um, maybe putting our loyalty into things that don't deserve our loyalty because we're looking for protection from our mm-hmm. own anxiety. And it ends up leading us into making some pretty poor decisions. I mean, oh, yeah. when's the last time you made a good decision when you were anxious about it? I mean, eat just day-to-day things, right? When, yeah, you're, yeah. when you're anxious, you, you eat whatever's in front of you because you don't have time and what, in, you're in, not going to go out and run because you don't have time, time and, and, you're, and you you know all the things. And so so it's sort of a vicious cycle, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. When Jesus is talking about God's abundance, Mm -hmm. what he's trying to get us in touch with is the kind of freedom from worrying about labels and brands and all of that stuff Mm -hmm. that will help us make better decisions, be more intentional about how we use the tools that are at our command, including Mm
0: -hmm. money. Yep.
1: (laughs) I told this story on Sunday of, uh, so I've recently made Susan start watching The Office. (laughs) She's torturing me. It's a wonderful show. you enjoy it.
0: It's fine you You
1: should admit that you you love it as much as I do i got <laughs> I got hooked on it by a couple of friends of mine, but but I love the office, and I've watched it through a couple of times now and uh, and I will probably watch it through again because now all of the characters are my friends. you know <laughs> great, great. I have real friends too, I swear. <laughs> But uh, I love The Office. It's about a bunch of disgruntled office workers. It's a mockumentary format. So it's not a real office. It's actors who are pretending, right, to be in an office Mm -hmm. um, and being interviewed about the things that are going on, tedium and office rivalries and romances and all of the things. Disgruntled workers with an incompetent boss Mm -hmm. whose name is Michael Scott, Mm -hmm. who's played by Steve Carell. And Michael Scott is one of those people who his entire life is about what other people think of him. Yeah. He wants people to like him. He wants people to admire him. And because of that, he makes really bad decisions all the time, which gets him in trouble. gets everybody else in trouble. There's this one great episode in season four where Michael's not paying attention because he's talking to the camera and he hits one of his employees with his car. So he takes her to the hospital and he comes back and he announces it to the office and he says, you know, this morning Meredith was hit by a car. I took her to the hospital the doctors did everything they could. And then there's this big, long pause. <laughs> and he says, and she's going to be fine. Everybody gets mad at him, right? But he wanted the dramatic moment. Bummer, right? And then they say, Michael, did you see who did it? Mm. And he has to admit, admit that he was the one who hit her with the car. Well, this is against Michael's self-narrative, right? right? He's the hero of the story. He can't be the bad guy. And so everybody goes to the hospital to visit Meredith, and they find out. That Because of something that happened in a previous episode of The Office, Meredith has rabies. (laughs) So they treat her for rabies. And the thing about rabies is once your symptoms have shown up, they can't treat you anymore. So it was a good thing that she went in and they found out she had rabies and she could get treated for it. So Michael starts to tell the story of I saved Meredith's life by hitting her with With my car. car. But it's still not enough. Nobody's buying it. So he decides they're going to have a fun run to raise money to cure rabies. Because really rabies is the villain, not the car injury. Right. Problem is rabies has been cured. Right. So they can't raise any money. And he's no experience organizing a run, so the trail doesn't loop. <laughs> Nobody in the office likes running. Everything goes wrong. They spend most of the money they've gotten on a giant check and then on a woman dressed as a nurse to accept the check, which is made out to rabies. Like just everything <laughs> goes not, wrong because it's
0: not not well planned, not because well it's an ego out.
1: trip for okay. him. It's really it's about pumping up his own ego. Michael has never run a day in his life. And so he knows that you're not supposed to drink water because you can't go to the bathroom while you're running. But you are supposed to carb up. So he eats like an entire tray of fettuccine Alfredo. Remember,
0: this is a 5K.
1: It's a 5K. So, you know, half the employees catch a cab to the finish line and half of them just walk. And Michael runs. He gets through most of the race and then he collapses on the side of the trail. And he collapses on the side of the trail because he's dehydrated and he just can't go anymore. And two employees who are walking along find him. And they say, Michael, what's wrong? We think you're dehydrated. You should drink a cup of water. And he says, what do you want me to do? And they say, well, a cup of water would be a good start. And he says, no, seriously, what do you want me to do? There's so many people in the world that have so many problems. And there's just one of me. Yeah. And as much as I love to hate Michael Scott, along with the rest of you, in that moment, he is me. Yeah. And he's, I'm suspecting many of you who feel totally overwhelmed by all of the things that are going on. There's this brilliant Frank Turner lyric that says, I'm building bonfires of my vanities Vanities. and my doubts to keep warm, just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. That we're all sometimes so concerned with how we compare to everybody else that we've lost track of the point. And so Michael Scott voices this for us. And in his ridiculous clownery, Mm -hmm. we see ourselves, which is what the best humor does. Yep. It helps us hold up a mirror. Mm -hmm. And this idea has become so popular actually recently that there's a phrase for it. And I will never say this phrase again, but compassion fatigue.
0: Oh, yeah. There's just
1: too much to care about and I can't care about all of it. So So I'm going
0: to care about nothing. I'm going to care about
1: none of it. I will isolate myself. I will just care about my own people. And that's it. And the problem is...
0: That's not actually how
1: the world works. That's not how the world works because there are some things that are scarce. Money is limited Time is limited. Water. Water is limited. Although Michael Scott probably had some at his disposal. Yes. But there are some things that are not scarce. And the things of God are not things that are scarce. No. Things like grace and forgiveness Mm -hmm. and love and compassion. Mm -hmm. Those things are unlimited. Yeah. I don't think it's fair for us to say, I just can't care about anything else. I think you care about everything. But then you choose... Very intentionally, how you will invest your things in the things that are of God. Right. Whether that's time or resources or money. That you decide how to invest your things. There's this really great quip that Jesus does in the Bible. In the Bible. It's in there somewhere. It's in there. Where um, somebody holds up a coin and says, Jesus, is it right to pay taxes? Mm -hmm. Because obviously they're paying taxes to the oppressive government, right? Right. And they don't acknowledge the reign of Caesar Is it right to pay taxes? And Jesus takes the coin and he says what?
0: Whose face is on this?
1: Whose face is on this coin? They say Caesar's face is on the coin. And then he says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. And here's the deal. Back in the day, if your face was on something, you owned it. Mm -hmm. So Caesar's face is on the coin. Caesar owns Owns the coin. But the problem is every human being is made in the image of God, God. which means God's face is on you. (laughs) Hmm. So give to Caesar what is Caesar and give to God's. What is God's? Everything you are is is God's. Everything you are is God's. And so there is no limit on how much you need to care. Right. There is a limit on how much you can do. I love it how they phrase it in the message that that Jesus is trying to get us to stop worrying about how much we are getting Mm
0: -hmm. and figure out how
1: we will give.
0: Not to be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving.
1: Right. And that you respond by giving. giving. And so whether we have a little or whether we have a lot, there are some things that we have that don't have a limit on them that aren't scarce and that that are abundant and we can live into that. So I guess heading into Lent, I thought this was an important thing to talk about. Yeah. Because I think we trip ourselves up in Lent when we treat it like New Year's resolutions. We try to do everything at once.
0: Right. Or we think we have to do it a certain way, you know, back to the in God we trust. Like mm-hmm. I have to give something up. I have to give something up. Like I have to give up chocolate or empty, have to give up sugar. rote ritual. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And so what I want us to do is to figure out how to live into God's abundance so that we can be free enough to make an intentional decision about how we invest our time and our resources and our stuff. So with the church, we do special offerings, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, mm-hmm. And we split the special offerings every time. Usually one thing that's internal inside the church and one thing that's outside the church. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good model because the thing that's inside the church is you know, scholarships for people who want to go on retreats. And the thing that's outside the church is something that serves our community right. that has nothing to do with maybe serving anybody who's in the church. Although it might, you know? Yeah, I think that's a good model is to figure out maybe during Lent, instead of trying to do everything, mm-hmm. pick one thing that will give you life in your relationship with God,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and one thing that will connect you to the world around you. But to just pick one, you know?
0: <laughs> Don't eat the whole hamburger at once. Just pick
1: one thing. Uh, one thing that I did a few years ago that I really liked that I am not going to do this year because I know it's not going to work is I gave up my sort of daily latte. hmm And instead of spending the $4 or whatever it was on a latte, I put that money into a separate account. And at the end of the 40 days, whatever was in that account went to building wells in Africa. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because again, I don't need a latte. Right. But there are people who need water. Yeah, it was challenging because I like my latte. No. I love it. I think it's so good. But I don't need it. Yeah.
0: The other language I've heard around this is instead of giving something up, it's to take something on, mm-hmm. right? Like that's another way to be thinking about that is that maybe what you're being called to do isn't to give up chocolate, but it's to take on a daily prayer ritual. Mm-hmm. Or it's to take on a daily phone call to a yeah. friend or something, whatever connection. that thing
1: is, whether you're uh, yeah. giving something up or taking something on, mm-hmm. something that connects you to God, something that connects you to the world. I think that's a good guideline. As we keep moving through this Sermon on the Mount, I think it, it's getting actually more and more practical mm-hmm. about like, okay, mm-hmm. here's the big idea. Here's this kingdom of God idea. And now how do we work towards that? And what are the frustrations we're going to meet along right. the way? And what are the hangups that we're going right. to get what, caught what's on? Keeping,
0: what's keeping you in, in the old cycle right. versus the new cycle?
1: And how do you break out of that? And so this is really that, how do you, has your religion become so rote that it is meaningless?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or can you really trust God? Can you really put your, money where your mouth is mm-hmm. you know can you put your time and your resources where your heart is um and then where is your heart yeah so i think that's where we landed on sunday nice i think it's always good when i get to do history and the office in an episode
0: <laughs> well you know it's always fun to to put put a bunch of weird stuff together and make it and call it a sermon
1: and call it a sermon. Anyway.
0: So we're lucky we get to. So, do,
1: that. do you have any uh, any ideas about what you might do for your Lenten practice this year?
0: You know, I'm coming out of a, a season in my personal life that's just been crazy. Mm-hmm. You know all those details, and 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 for me, this season of Lent is like it's all about like the recharge. Yeah, I'm not gonna continue in through the um, Sermon on the Mount into Lent. I'm gonna do a, a sermon series on brokenness. That'll so be a nice break. It's actually, it's actually, it's actually really a theme about um, how God takes our broken, our broken behaviors and uh-huh. our broken thing, the broken things of our lives, and makes something beautiful.
1: Oh yeah, I think he's so, told me a little bit about yeah. it, and it sounded really cool.
0: And so I started on Sunday saying, "Hey, by the way, as you break things over the next few weeks, as you
1: break them, where you them find in.
0: break broken things in your life, small things, bring them in." Because we're yeah. going to make something beautiful out of them by the end of this. That's cool. And we're going to decorate that front altar space with broken furniture. Cool. Um, and things like that. Do you so, have
1: a lot of broken furniture lying around?
0: Uh, I don't, but I mentioned it to enough people who do. Okay. Like, we're, we'll, we'll see how it how it turns out. I should out. have
1: kept that stool that I fell off of a few weeks ago.
0: <laughs> I if I had, me if I had made stool. that decision a few weeks ago, yeah. Yeah. Hey. But... Um, so yeah, so we're working on that. And so you're um, going to
1: take up maybe some practices or set aside some time. It's going to gonna like be it's going
0: to be time. Do it's going to be setting around time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I make sure that there's space for that.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's so important because if you don't, if you're not where you need to be, then you can't do anything else. Can't do anything else. Can't do anything. So, so, so that's where I am. Well, good. Yeah. I do the contemplative prayer thing during. Yeah, uh, that's right. You do during huh? Lent. It's very early in the morning.
0: <laughs> do you get to see some sunrises.
1: I will get to see so many sunrises until the time changes, and then I will not see sunrises again for a while. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we do, you know, every Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. at the church, we do a contemplative prayer, yeah. Lectio Divina kind of mm-hmm. prayer practice thing, which is super fun. <laughs> um and then I but I do it more than just that one day I do it a few days and then it's just I just do it one day in community because right. I think that's important it adds a different kind of flavor to it to things yeah because my mind is so active and my <laughs> no it's uh it's important for me every once in a while to just stop. Right. And not have anything to do. And the reason I do it on my own as well as in communities because when you're in community you're thinking about like, has it been five minutes yet? <laughs> do I, do I read the next thing yet? Do I wait? Right. Do I, how does it there's, that...
0: there's a different anxiety.
1: There's a well, it's just a different um, role yeah. that you have to play. When I do it on my own I can kind of space for as long as I need to and then come back to the next the next cycle, which yeah. is important. I'm also gonna be more intentional about healthy eating. Food. Healthy food, particularly. I've slunk into a pit of tortilla chips and chocolate for the last two months, and I think I need to crawl out of it again. That's going to be nice. We'll check in. We'll check in. We encourage you to think about what are the things that will help you connect to God and uh, connect to other people. If you are one of our online people, who maybe we don't see every week, there's a great online resource called Rethink Church. Check the hashtag, Rethink Church. You'll find images, and um, right now you should find a list of words. Words. And you can subscribe and you can get a little devotional sent to your email every day as well. But the idea behind the words is that every day you have a word and as you're going about your day, you're looking for that word in the world. So whether the word is heal or courage or light, it's a way of, if you're a list person, if you like to check off things things. like I do, it's a way of making yourself be aware. Because right. you're always looking for
0: for that thing for
1: that thing in the world. And uh, you can post more than one picture a day. That's okay. Uh, you don't have to pick your favorite. <laughs> you can post more than one. But then when you click on the hashtag, you get to see everybody else's as well. It's kind of a cool way to connect with people around the country and, and even around the globe sometimes with paying attention to where God is moving in the world. So there's that. We'll put a link in the notes. Hope that you have a good Lent. Yeah. Or at least a good Mardi Gras. <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening to this Sunday morning sleep in podcast. If you have questions for us or you want to share what you're going to take up or give up for Lent, we'd love to hear it. Uh, We're available on Facebook at Sunday morning sleep in. Also the Sunday morning sleep in at gmail.com is our email address. You can find this podcast at iTunes and Stitcher, not Stitcher. I don't know. Soon Stitcher. Soon Stitcher, wherever, Uh, wherever you get most of your podcasts try yeah. and find us there. The passage this morning was Matthew 6, 24 to 34, and you heard it in the, the message version. And the, the music you're hearing is Take Me Higher by Jezra. Great.
1: Well, as you go out into your week, uh, we know that Lent will have started by the time you hear this one, because it takes me that long to edit them. <laughs> we just hope that, you know, you're paying attention to where God is moving in the world, and that you give yourself the space that you need to Think intentionally about how you are connecting to the world, about how you're connecting to God. During Lent, like we said before, it's sort of spring training. It's it's noticing those places where we want to grow deeper in our relationship. It's noticing those things that we need to get rid of so that we can do that or take up so that we can do that. But this is, this is your chance. This is one of those moments where we do that really intentionally. And so uh, we encourage you to do that. And I also encourage you to remember that you are called to love every person you meet, even the ones you might not think deserve it. Because God thinks they do. Amen?
0: Amen.